My name is Patricia Kathleen, and this podcast series will contain interviews I conduct with female and female-identified entrepreneurs, founders, co-founders, business owners, and industry gurus. These podcasts speak with women and women-identified individuals across all industries in order to shed light for those just getting into the entrepreneurial game as well as those deeply embedded within it. Histories, current companies, and lessons learned are explored in the conversations I have with these insightful and talented powerhouses. The series is designed to investigate a female and female-identified perspective in what has largely been a male-dominated industry in the USA to date. I look forward to contributing to the national dialogue about the long overdue change of women in American business arenas and in particular entrepreneurial roles. You can contact me via my media company website, wild.agency, that's W-I-L-D-E dot agency, or my personal website, patriciacathleen.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. This is your host, Patricia, and today I am speaking with Kelly Glover. Kelly is the founder and podcast guest booker for The Talent Squad. Welcome, Kelly. Hello, Patricia. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. I look forward to speaking with you. Kelly is based out of Sydney, Los Angeles, and New York City, so we're catching her today um, from across the globe over in Sydney, Australia. And I'm glad that you had the time to sit down with us. I'm going to read a quick bio on Kelly, but for everyone listening, the roadmap for today's podcast will follow the same trajectory as all of them so that any of you looking for continuity can follow it. So first we'll start off with Kelly's academic background and early professional life following that. And then we'll turn to unpacking the talent squad. We'll get into the logistics of the who, what, when, where, why, and how, and then we'll get into more of the ethos based questions that I have regarding um, clientele and the branding, things of that nature. And then I will start my attentions towards Kelly's goals that she may have for the next three years regarding scaling, expansion, um, and other areas that she might see foresee changes or growth within um, the talent squad, as well as other endeavors she's involved in. And then we'll wrap everything up with advice that Kelly has for those of you looking to get involved in what she does, um, look towards employing her, or simply mirroring some of her um, technique and style. So a quick bio on Kelly before I start peppering her with questions. Kelly Glover books podcast tours for entrepreneurs. She is the founder of the Talent Squad podcast agency and has 18 years of experience working with the media. And Kelly has been in a, a celebrity interviewer, talent agent, radio host, and podcast producer. She is here to give you the behind the scenes look at how you can pitch podcasts ace your interviews and leverage the results. And so I can't, it's so apropos, Kelly, I must say before I start asking you questions, you are one of the first people whose industry deals with what with the, the format of what we're actually, the platform in which we're speaking on today. And so I love the, um, the play over and it's a booming industry. And so I do wanna climb all throughout the talent squad. But before we get to that, for everyone listening, um, will you walk us through your academic background and early professional life? Sure. So yes, I'm Australian right now. I'm in Sydney. So I first started university at the University of Newcastle. It's about two hours north of Sydney. Um, and then I was an exchange student to Ohio University. So I was doing a communications degree, 
got to Ohio University, loved it, transferred and graduated from there. So with internships being so big and being wanting to work in entertainment, I did an internship in Los Angeles for Miramax. That was back in 2000 and then picked up a second internship interviewing celebrities on the red carpet for a company called zaptoit.com. Um, and then I followed that up with doing an internship in for Miramax in London. And when I graduated, I moved to London and worked there for a while. Um, we were speaking a little bit off air that I took a year to be a tour guide in Europe for a company called Boss About. So I think I got to see 43 cities. I was on a tour coach every single day, taking oh. 52 passengers across Europe. I got to see um, basically Europe for free and do all the Every walking tour, bicycle tour, I've seen it all, which is amazing. Um, moved back to Australia and then worked for a talent agency, Buena Vista, got into community radio improv. And then I realized I'm pretty good at this radio thing. I'll just take a crack at the national um, graduate radio school. They take 10 people a year. I will never get in. It might take me a few years. First application got in. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to radio school now. Went to radio school, became a radio announcer, um, and then moved back to Hollywood. And then I quickly discovered after having been a radio announcer for years in Australia, hosting a syndicated show that with this accent, nope, can't get a radio job in Los Angeles. So that's how I got into podcasting. Um, I actually got into podcasting in 2007 and throughout radio school, but that's when I got into it professionally and I haven't looked back. That was around 2013, 2014. And I launched the talent squad in 2017 and went out on my own after being a, um, a, a podcast producer for the world's biggest women's network in Australia, Mamma Mia. So yeah. that is express route of 18 years of academic uh, and business achievements. How was Mamma Mia? Just a quick tangent. How was, I mean, and when you look into it, you know, it's it's a pretty heavy hitting, as you said, um, a, a female agency. How was your experience there? Yeah, it was really, really interesting. I describe it as the Devil Wears product crossed with the Hunger Games. And I don't even necessarily <laughs> mean that that's a bad thing. Yeah. The person that runs it is Mia Friedman. And um, she's very, very big media personality in Australia. She used to be um, the editor of Cosmo. So it's run like a magazine, even though it is online. So um, they cycle through people pretty quickly there, but it is the best education you can ever have in media. I loved it. What was your um, role there? I was the senior podcast producer and it's the world's biggest women's network for podcasting. So I produced eight podcasts. Two of them were branded podcasts. One of them was award-winning. Um, so it was the best learning possible and with amazing people. Everyone that goes through there ends up in big media agencies. But make no mistake, like I said, it's the Hunger Games crossed with the Devil Wears Prada, but what a great education. Were there any key differences with working with such a, a, a heavy female-laden, I imagine there's a few token males running around, but yeah, the, there were know, the opportunity of working, males. Yeah. the opportunity of working in an environment that is so flipped, you know, where everyone in power and things like that is predominantly female, was that at all shocking or inspiring or did you find it to be ironically similar to that of a male run one? Um, 
I think that it kind of was, was just the norm. You didn't really think about it when you were there. It didn't seem like anything was missing. Nothing really seemed like it was off. It was pretty great. And yeah. I'm also a member of the wing, which is the female co-working space. So it's not unusual for me to be in that environment. So I kind of loved it. Yeah. No, I did love it. I loved it quite a bit. And um, yeah, you're right. There were a few token males there, but um, it was, I think, three out of 100 women. So it was, yeah, it was in, it's everything that you said, but also highly competitive, which mm -hmm. I don't think is what people may expect. But it was, it's sort of the competition was to be the best, to get the best idea you know, take no prisoners, just yeah. the best, the best, the best. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No, I like the idea of that. <clears throat> you know, I think the stereotype with a lot of people in a lot of people's heads is that a woman's, um, you know, powerhouse industry like that would have a lot of different key fundamental differences in competitiveness and things like that. So to hear you say that it was, you know, it was, it was raw. It was, you know, it was incredibly... Yeah competitive and intense is, I like that. I welcome the, you know, the similarity between everything else that you would find on, you know, Madison Avenue or something like that. Yeah. And I think the key word you just said there was raw because so Mamma Mia is, um, it's a lot about personal stories and there were, I learned a lot about having different meetings and transparency and radical candor. So that have the morning you get up because it's sort of, it's a um, content agency, a media agency. So you'd get up and do the morning meeting. Everyone stands in a circle and everyone pitches their ideas of what's going on in the day and reflecting what's happening. It was really exciting. Absolutely. I mean, radical candor. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to run yeah. with that phrase as well. Yeah. So you launched the Talent Squad in 2017. Did you take any funding, any seed money? Did you do anything or was it all bootstrapped? All bootstrapped. So my Mamma Mia contract was six months to come in and help with the podcasts as a producer, a senior podcast producer. And then it got extended for three months. And then I launched my own business. So um, I just, I launched it at Podcast Movement, which that one was in Anaheim. I'd been to Podcast Movement before. So I just got all the collateral, made it myself, got a designer to do the logo, showed up, had no clients and got my first clients there. How Looking back, ridiculous. Yeah. When you look back at the journey, you're like, what was I thinking? How did I do that? Would I do it again? Probably no. But I just was kind of a bit clueless on every, clueless? No, because I've been in the industry for a long time. I guess yeah. I was confident and I knew, I knew I could make it and I was confident in myself and I just... Uh, one of the values, I know we're getting to that later. One of them is radical candor and the other is just risk it for the biscuit. And I always think of uh, reverse engineer and think, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Well, I spend my money, I get my no clients and I come home. Yeah. Biscuit for the biscuit. I love it. Well, yeah. so how did you, when you went to, anytime someone's, you know, completely self-designed and self-founded, was there a moment that you kind of thought, okay, I'm going to build this. I mean, the impetus for the talent squad and then the structure behind it, these are two very different things, right? So you have this, I'm going to have this um, talent squad agency and help people promote their podcasts and things of that nature, however, or promote themselves via podcasts. But, um, 
designing how you go about that and the structure within it is a completely different beast. And usually in companies, it's two different people. So did the impetus come first or did you think, ah, I know exactly how to get people, I see this want and this desire, kind of the back end come first? So I had worked for a podcasting agency when I was in Los Angeles and I mentioned I went there to be in radio and I couldn't get a radio job. I got a job um, writing show notes for podcasts. From that, I started booking guests on podcast. I'd been working for that agency for a while and they took all their people in-house. I had also started working for Mamma Mia and I knew that was a contract job. And I thought, I love the podcast booking. It's the favorite thing that I do. It's one element of the producing. And I thought, well, instead of relying on someone else, I can rely on myself. I know I can do all this stuff and that way I get to do it the way that I want. And I also like the idea of the remote lifestyle. I love Australia, but I know that it's in Los Angeles and New York. And this way I can move where I want, when I want and work in my prime productivity. So mm-hmm. it's sort of, like you said, it's, taking my skills, also not being at the um, behest of others Mm -hmm. and also designing the work and the life in the best way possible. Absolutely. So let's unpack it a little bit. Can you tell us what exactly the talent squad is and what it does and what like a typical client of yours would look like? Sure. So we're a podcast guest booking agency and it has evolved. So we book podcast tours for entrepreneurs. When we started, we were doing four podcasts a month ongoing. And what we've discovered over time is that because podcast is relatively new to most people, the idea of signing up to an agency for the rest of your life and having ongoing and the possibility of doing, you know, 50 interviews a year is too much, but people can handle okay, a podcast tour of 12, 20, 30, batch it, spread it out. That's okay. And they can, they can manage that. And so we've turned it into podcast tours. And so somebody would come to us and they're an entrepreneur. They want to reach niche audiences. So it's not about broadcast getting on like the equivalent of the Tim, the Today Show, everyone comes and says, I want to be on the Tim Ferriss show. Yeah. And you look at Tim Ferriss and go, well, the last people on there were Oprah, Gary Vaynerchuk. Are you in that league? No. Okay. Then you're probably not going to get on that show. Why don't you go for the niche shows and reach those people? Mm -hmm. So um, we're more about the niche show. And then it's not only getting people booked, it's making sure they have the assets. So have you got your online press kit? Have you got your one sheet? Have you got your call to action? What's your messaging? So it's helping people through the process Mm -hmm. and nailing the interview and also, okay, so the interview goes out, then what? Because if you do nothing after it or don't promote it um, or, you know, leverage repurpose, uh, then you've lost the opportunity. So it's not just the booking, it's the entire strategy surrounding being a podcast guest. Yeah. And again, all this is learned over time because to me it's easy and I get it. But to other people, it didn't occur to me that people wouldn't know these things and would need help with these things. Absolutely. So and also it's, it's like built in along the way. Yeah. And the coaching that you're talking about, I think is more, um, it's, it's very, um, like appropriate that you came up in, in Hollywood a little bit with your career, because it sounds a lot like an agent, like an actor, you know, the coaching that goes along with like, let's make sure you have your materials at play. Let's make sure you're polished and your, you know, your message and delivery is good instead of just booking the appointment. You know, it sounds like absolutely one stop shopping. And I think it's more manager than agent because um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, it, but yes, you're right. Yeah. And it may, yes. 
manager. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you. And and that's getting into Hollywood particulars, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Someone who's just thinking about the entire picture, you know, of, of how it's getting um, going down with the talent and the audience and everything in between. Um, that's awesome. So who, who was your target originally when you up and came up, did you identify an audience that you knew would need this or how did you start your advertising after developing the talent squad? So the, Originally, it was kind of the anyone that wants to get booked on podcasts. I wasn't out there to convince people that they needed this because they needed to come to me or see me at a conference and um, at a booth in the conference, knowing what podcast is, how it works, and knowing that they want to use this already. Um, and then it's turned into entrepreneurs, really entrepreneurs and authors, but the authors that come to us generally are entrepreneurs with a book, not an author first. Although we do have one client who is um, a, a fiction author with series, and that's been quite successful as well in the YA genre. So it's mainly entrepreneurs now. Absolutely. So people are using it for elevate, sorry to interrupt. So people are using it to elevate their um, authority, but also it's a way to get clients. Yeah. What has the growth been like since 2017? Podcasts have, I cannot believe. It blows my mind the change in podcast even in the last few years yeah. because like I said, I've been in it since 2014, 13, 14. So it just is every year it seems to just get faster and faster and bigger. And even at the conferences at Podcast Movement, how many people, it changes cities. So it is a little bit different. But so the last one, um, all of Hollywood was there and this was in Orlando. And all of Hollywood wasn't there even when the podcast movement conference was in Anaheim. So people have been doing things behind the scenes. I call it Trojan horsing and then just popping up. But I can tell you all the agencies, the, you know, Endeavor, William Morris, CAA, all the big dogs were at podcast movement in Orlando in August. So that tells me a lot if they're willing to travel there and do that. And then just all these companies popping up all the time. Um, yeah, so the growth from business, the growth from Hollywood, the growth from tech, like the growth. And then also the consolidation has already started happening with Spotify is coming in and everyone buying all the big companies like pineapple media has been bought. So, um, I guess this is industry talk a little bit, but yeah, the, the growth, the consolidation, the different industries coming in. And I think podcasts are also, people think, Podcast equal audience equals downloads. That's what they think. But the, the other aspect they're not looking at yet is internal podcast for corporations, internal podcast right. for training, for human resources, for advertising to get people to work for you from an HR perspective. Yeah. So I think that they're looking at it as an entertainment, but not necessarily as a medium for other avenues. And I and think that will I come into, I do. I think the utility is, I, I equate it to Instagram, you know, where Instagram originally started with just this, the utility was to share pictures, you know, and, yep. and video clips. And now it's like one of the number one places in the United States for the upper level echelon of corporate America to find out about job postings. And then, you know, the, the irony there is the creativity it took for someone to say, I'm going to use this platform because we have all of these followers as a way to put a job opening out there. You know, and that kind of a, it like really just kind of cross-pollinating utility and things like that. I think that's coming into play with podcasts. I think you're starting to get into this. It's no longer just two people sharing ideas. There's motive, there's goals. It's not just promotion 
or like you say, entertainment. There's all sorts of education and different things. It's like YouTube. You were just originally started to share family videos and you know, then it quickly became the go-to for all informational instructional video sources. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, I am obsessed and I can see the potential. And sometimes I think I can, I've been talking about internal podcasts for corporations for years and now I can see it start seeing people do it. Yeah. So I think that, and that leads to technology platforms for how do you do it, protect it. And you know what I mean? So there's all these things that from one idea, all these other things, I don't even know how it works with the tech will get invented. Yeah. So looking at your company, particularly at the talent squad, can you describe a little bit of the ethos behind it? Like we all have, you know, these very founder based things where you've mentioned radical candor and risk it for the biscuit and, and these kind of catch things. Can you kind of unpack some of that for us? Yeah. So um, we have, I don't, again, I don't even know the technical terms for a lot of these things, but I guess they're just beliefs, but some people will say, that's not a value. Well, I don't know. So we go by radical candor because having been Australian, I just can't deal with it. Like, just tell me the truth. If you go and dance around it, I don't even know what you're talking about. Tell me the truth. Let's be open. If there's a problem, let's solve it. Let's roll with it. If your website's not good and you're my client, or if you do a podcast interview from the car, we're going to have a talk about it because you need to be the best that you can be. And I can't push you out to shows if your website looks like a dog's breakfast and you need a new headshot. So that's what you can expect from me. And if you don't like it, then I'm not the person for, for you, but I want you to look amazing and I want you to sound amazing. So they're the conversations we're going to have. Um, and, and yeah, in the best way possible. Like I want your headshot to be amazing. I want you to sound good. So yeah. when I start working with people, sometimes I'll say, love you. You're amazing. Your website doesn't reflect that. We need to fix that first and then we can get rolling. Yeah. Um, continu continuous improvement. And that is, like I said, just from the beginning of getting started with the booth at Podcast Movement, the branding's changed, who we're working with's changed, how we've worked's changed. Um, the packages, but it's still the same concept. And I think that it will change with, you can't just start with something two years ago, especially in an industry that's moving so fast and have it stay the same. Yeah. That's something I didn't realize with business. I'm like, oh, I can do this. I know how to do this. I'll do it. And then, the ch but it's been amazing and I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, for us, it's producer mindset because there are other agencies doing this but they aren't necessarily radio producers background. I think they're bookers and come from a VA and have no background in this area. So yeah. for us, we think like, a, because I've been a producer, so a, a bit like you, Patricia, people pitch you. So I'm like, okay, if I'm getting pitched this, how would I react? So yeah. we reverse, en reverse engineering is very big for us. Um, and then something else we say results over time. I don't do our, like I don't do our, if you book someone and it takes you one minute because you can pick up the phone or send an email and it's an awesome show, why should you get like a couple of bucks? Yeah. You're awesome. So we, we do um, results over time. So it's more of flat fees than you should be rewarded for your relationships that you've built over 20 years, not for the two seconds it takes for you to get that booking because you've put 20 years in to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, it's a long game, right? All of journalism, yeah. all of media, like even though we live in a short game environment of half, you know, sentence Twitter remarks and things like that, relationships are still a long game and they always will be because humankind has not changed their platform. Yeah. So right. we don't believe in office hours, nine to five, sit at the desk, 
jam it out and whatever. Cause I know when I work for someone else, I'd have to show up at whatever time, do whatever time, but that's not necessarily my prime productivity. And mm. often I'd be sitting there and like my brain would clock out and I'd still have to wait and, you know, especially at the agency outweigh everyone because no one wants to leave early and it's that whole thing. But if I'd have done, if I could have shown up earlier and gotten rid of the meetings and done the stuff, I probably could have cut two hours and done double the work. Sure. So we talk about um, your prime productivity time. And because I've got uh, someone that works for me and she loves working at night, really late at night. To me, I get up at 3.30 in the morning. So for us to work at the same time is ridiculous because but by the time she's even woken up, I've put in a day's work and I've nailed it. Mm-hmm. So we talk about prime productivity, results over time and flexible lifestyle. You don't have to be in the same office. So I'm in Los Angeles, New York and Sydney and that's fine. Like if I want to go to the zoo with my niece and nephew, that motivates me. If I want to be in New York, that motivates me. I'm going to get my work done in the amount of time. And if you're in Los Angeles, if you're in Dallas, or if you want to travel, like one of my girls traveled over to London and worked there for two months. Awesome. Yeah. I don't think you need to be tied to an office to, for at least for what we do mm-hmm. to do that. So there's, yeah. So flexible lifestyle is very big on us. I like and, that. Yeah. I like the idea too, that you talk about reverse engineering and kind of thinking, yes. of, you know, from the, the standpoint of every environment that you're coming into, again, it goes back into the manager. I feel like, you know, that, that relationship with someone, I'm wondering, um, like looking forward to goals that your company has over the next year and, and this idea of reverse engineering, one of the first things I think of with podcasting that hasn't been done, at least not a ton yet, is relationships with people who would need podcasting. So like publishing houses and things like that. Like, have you ever thought about taking the talent squad into not an exclusive, but like an alliance with, you know, people who are going to immediately need, especially entrepreneurs, like with when you say, you know, you're, you're focusing now, your specialty is, is tours for entrepreneurs. I'm wondering if the idea of getting in, in bed with angel investors or, um, you know, that type of like uh, funding and investment firm would be interesting to become like on their roster. Has that ever come up in your purview? Um, to, to get funding for the agency or to no. go to an agency to book their clients um, no, for, to just to be in tandem with you. So if an angel investor or um, some kind of an investor, a venture capitalist of any form is getting ready to invest, you know, in a company, the concept of putting it, you know, on some kind of a podcast tour, you know, oh, right. yeah, we can. Founder, like enlisting your services, there's all of these different relationships, right, that we can build. Yeah. And, and we do with, it uh, depends because a lot of people have their own PR agencies, but PR agencies kind of don't really know how to deal with podcasting because it is a different beast. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes it will be not necessarily the angel investor, but their PR company that contacts us. And so we often work with PR agencies and you're talking publishing houses, the same with publishing houses. All the big ones have their own PR people or they have in-house people, but then those people come to us and we are supplementary to them because we need to know what they're pitching out and what they're doing. And they might have a few top level, but they don't have this, what, 750,000 podcasts. A lot of them have pod faded. Um, So there's different, like they might know the big few networks, but they don't know all the other aspects. So, So yeah, we kind of do partner with, people but not necessarily as their sole agency it's usually in tandem with what they're working with already 
Okay. And so looking forward to the, your future with like the goals that you have, do you do, do through your goals? I always try to, I do them. And so that's where I put things, but um, looking towards the horizon, where do you see, it seems like you have a really good grasp for trends in podcasts. And so that must play into the dialogue of where you see the talent squad headed over the next three years. It is Patricia, but it's also tricky because I have to tell, yeah, I should put that back as one of the company ethos, stay in your lane. <laughs> because I find that really hard to do because the podcast for corporations that I've seen for ages, that is completely different to guest booking that is making podcasts. So then it's, what can you do? What do you focus on? How many things can you do? And so, yes, I've done branded podcasts. Yes, I've been a producer. Yes, I'm a talent booker. Yes, I can see that potential but you kind of have to pick a lane and stay in it if you want to be the best and keep going at one thing. And I find that very hard. So, um, cause then I get distracted and then I'm like, well, hang on. I'm, I'm only one person. I do have people working for me, but so I'm stay in your lane. So, um, for us, we're sticking with the guest booking at the moment, at the moment. Mm -hmm. And you're going to stay yeah. there and just kind of grow that with the entrepreneurial kind of basis or lens attached to that. Yes. But the other element is talking about scaling and I don't want to have hundreds of clients and not be able to give the personal, like if you talk about a manager, they don't have hundreds of clients like an agent might. Right. So for us, it's, we've been heading towards that. And one day I just went, I don't even want that amount of people. I like knowing exactly what everyone's doing and I can follow them and know what's happening and send them, visit them and send them a text and know that their daughter is got a Christmas pageant tomorrow and that they're going to the the thing as opposed to having a hundred people that I can't get track of. So for yeah. us, we're keeping it boutique size and that way I can be all up in everybody's beeswax and they can be the best possible rather than having a hundred people and being a sausage factory and not be able to know what's going on. So I know every booking that all my clients have. Um, and I'm, and like you said, reverse engineering it, that was a great booking. Okay. What was the pitch? What was the subject line? What was the content? What was the interview? Like, what did the host like? Like we actually analyze that on a quarterly basis. So we know, so we do recalibrations. So do you know your maximum amount of clients that you could feasibly handle given your crew size right now? So yeah, I think for us, it's about 10 clients per person that is comfortable for us to give the level of service that we have. Yeah. So that's our capacity. Anything beyond that, people aren't getting the attention that they need, not even that they need, that they deserve. So we're a very boutique. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you've got, I mean, you have everything battened down. Do you see um, any growth? It doesn't feel like that. I don't know if it ever does for anybody. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. It never does. And I'm um, still figuring it out. I could change my mind next week, next month, and look back going, that was, it's, and that's the problem a little bit with podcasting. You say stuff and look back and think, well, I believe that at the time and I could see that at the time, but that's completely different now. Well, you've already stated that. You've talked about yeah. the ever-changing landscape and, and things yeah. have to change. You can't stay um, still with something that's moving as quickly as the podcasting empire and having yeah. a stronghold in that. Um, but, but what are you seeing? What because you're seeing it from the other angle and with your show and your guests and you getting pitched and you having multiple shows. Yeah. So it's from the opposite angle and you're yeah. coming from the documentary background. So your perspective is completely different too. It is. And I think I have always seen podcasting like I've seen um, the majority of social media since, you know, with the advent of the aughts, you know, and Silicon Valley's boom and, and, and the change of, 
um, alliances and and legality issues and everything that everything has gone through Facebook, all of these things. I have seen podcasting as getting ready to enter into the exact same exercise to go through a bunch of metamorphoses for creatives and creative minds to take that tool and do things that none of us thought, you know, someone hands you a paperclip and says, it's used to keep papers together. I know engineers that would take that and make an earring out of it in 45 seconds, you know, and so there's people that will take a tool and just reimagine it. And that for me is podcasting. It's this idea that it's, it's a way of conveying information, but one of the most beautiful things for me that's been done with humanity over the past 50 years is our reanalysis of what information is, how we vet it and how we want to receive it. And podcasting is a player in that. And so I look yeah. for the creativity of people utilizing it, people like you, people reimagining it coming into a business format internally, you know, that's an interesting one. I haven't really thought a lot about the utility there is limitless. It affects everybody. Yeah, because company sizes. The way I think about it is connecting people globally. So if I think about companies, I'll go, I'll see a UPS driver and think all those people are in a van driving around and they're in every city in America. And I think if there was a podcast or I think of Facebook and I think, okay, you've got Zuckerberg. Well, not everyone can get 10, 15 minutes with him every week, but he can do a podcast and be in your ears and you can hear directly from the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's going to be used as the company newsletter, hearing from the people that people don't necessarily get access to. I think podcasting is a companion piece. Now, all the TV shows, they're all coming out with podcasts with commentary on that. It can be used for historical as voice archives or family archives. Yeah. It's so also evergreen content, people. which I yes. love. And I also think, speaking to that point a little bit, um, my podcasts are very structured because that is, um, I come from an academic history and background and I like a structure and then narrative within that. I personally, as a listener, get very frustrated with podcasts where I don't really know where we're supposed to be headed. Even with fascinating individuals, just yeah. listening to someone muse is not really in my um, the purview of my schedule's time allotment, regardless of how fantastically funny you are and things of that nature. But so I think that the idea of directorship with podcasting is going to start coming into play as well, because I think that people have realized that um, there needs to be more of a, a director. So you have these talents, you have these hosts, you have people who are doing things very, very well, but then content hasn't really been curated or thought about, you know, in that way. And so having someone kind of lead this directorial message throughout the podcasting is, is useful. Yeah. And I think that having come from a broadcast radio background as an on-air announcer, I think where I don't know when it will happen, but I also can foresee Podcast people are just two people chatting at the moment, but there's view for segments as well. It doesn't have to be a chat A to B. You can make it anything you want. So I think that and it, like, the big question all the time is how long should a podcast be? Who cares? You don't have a TV schedule to listen to. It's as long as it has to be, but it also doesn't have to be just one thing. You can put multiple segments in there. So I think it will become more of a show as well in certain areas. So there's a huge potential for multiple things. Absolutely. I agree. And genres specific and all sorts of things. Yes. I myself like just got into a few, a few more that have come about just due to the success of the current podcast that we're you're on right now you know yeah you're talking you're talking round tables that's not just two people chitty chatting with no yeah. direction that's a completely and that's no, that's rare 
Yeah. But it shouldn't be. So I think people are just getting used to it, getting in there. And then it, like you said, it's going to turn into something completely different in a few years time, which is so exciting. I agree. Yeah, I think so too. So if someone walked up to you tomorrow in the park or in the zoo with your niece and nephew and said, listen, um, I, you know, I've, I've had this huge background in um, advertising or and in radio and podcasting, and I've got my feel for Hollywood and New York, and I'm living in Australia, and I'm thinking about launching my own company. What are the top three pieces of advice you would give her just kind of off the top of your head tomorrow? I would say get, this is just on my mind at the moment, but get an accountant and bookkeeper up front because so many of us just figure it out as we go along. But if you're not an expert in something, having that foundation from the beginning is hugely important and it's worth that investment up front to have the mechanics and skeleton of your business set first and build around it. Because if you're bootstrapping and doing things yourself for a couple of years, you're going to have to go back to the beginning and do it all from the start. Um, also for me, presence is everything. So the, having an awesome website and professional designer upfront is important, especially for me. I look at the low, I got, I, it was the company name, then the logo, then the website. And I was able to create the brand around that. So just think where you want to spend your money and don't cheap out on stuff that is your brand and company's identity and structure from the beginning. Um, and also that goes for legals as well. Don't DIY that kind of stuff. So know what to DIY and know what to outsource. Absolutely. Those are great. Okay. So I have get an accountant and bookkeeper up front. <laughs> Presence is everything. Get an awesome website and brand identity um, virtually up front and know what to DIY and know what to outsource. Yeah. And the other thing that I found hugely important that I realized is missing that I didn't know in the beginning is online press kits. People right. don't have that ready, especially for podcast interviews, but it goes for any media um, is having your, and that's something we make for our clients, but people just put it on their websites as well. So yeah. you can make your own and that's having your headshots, having multiple versions of your bio, having your scheduling link, um, having videos of yourself as you as a speaker, having past interviews, having links to the articles that you've been featured in and or written, having all your socials in one spot. If you've got your personal social, your brand social, your podcast social, sometimes that can be 15 things. So make it easier for somebody looking for you to have everything in one spot and you're going to have more opportunities. So Patricia, for you, with having so many guests on your show, having that would make your job so much easier and you're going to get more opportunities from that. So I think an online press kit seems like the last thing, but if you are looking for media, um, especially as an entrepreneur and also like you were saying, a startup, I think having that upfront and thinking of that and collecting all your assets along the way is important. Absolutely. I do think people overlook press kits a lot these days. In fact, you know, even um, as they're seen on the website and, and things of that nature, we are just getting ready to launch a much, much needed updated version of Patricia Kathleen. Um, 
And it pointed out that even, you know, someone who spent the last 16 months speaking to some of the most prolific women and female identified people across the world, um, I myself wasn't, you know, the website, nothing was very clear. I was in more of the dealing of the information than branding oneself. And so it's good to see that it, we all can like go in and out of struggling with that. It's a lot of work too, you know, the social media management and then everything. I always tell people like, you can try to be everything to yourself up front, but always like quickly, as, as quickly as possible, outsource, delegate, find people to do the right tasks, not just a task, What, who's good at what, make sure they do that, you know, um, kind of what you were speaking to, your people working during prime productivity time. Um, the same thing with tasks in my, um, in my enterprise and, and with my crew, it's all who does what well, let's let her yeah. do that. I don't want you to be a nine to five Monday to Friday seat warmer sitting around being switched off for two hours from three o'clock because your brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. I'd rather you do five hours, get the results, go to the, like I was saying, to the zoo or whatever it is, go out on a bus in London for the other three hours and have a great life and be excited to come back for those five hours tomorrow or three hours, seven, whatever it is, mm -hmm. then just sit in the chair looking out the window going, oh, I can't leave until everybody leaves and I'm, you know, like, what's the point in that? You're not happy. You're getting the same results. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is audits. So what you were saying about your website, get other people to look at it and give you feedback and yeah. audit yourself as if it wasn't yourself. So what's your website? What's your social? What's the copy? Is it consistent? Do you have everything in place? And it is adding things individually, but it's audit yourself. Yeah, I agree. And I think that a lot of people have it. Inform, uh, opinions about style and things that are very like taste specific. But I think that another great place to hit up, you know, is to check your industry and YouTube and blogs and people of that nature who are, especially your clients, like what information are your clients looking for when they hit your site? Because it's very different than what your grandmother would like to see. Yeah. Even and that comes back to reverse engineering. Yeah, exactly. I agree. So if there's something you like, I will look at it and go, oh, I like that. And then I think, why do I like it? What is it that I like about that? What is working? What isn't working? And then appropriate it to what you want and think, oh, it's the font. Okay. Is it that particular font or is it just the font? It's the font. Okay. Well, I'll choose my own. So I think, I don't, I don't know what it is about brains or whatever, but that's how it works for me and other people's brains might work in different way, but I love reverse engineering everything. I do too. And I love zhuzhing, you know, I do it um, <laughs> with like my wardrobe, like one of my relaxation techniques, but I put things on the calendar, you know, the first of every month, um, I I'm going to start just looking back over the tech, you know, you can, you can have one font, one moment and another and, and the next, like keeping something up is scale. Yeah. As long as it's consistent, like you were talking about style choices, Again, personal taste. Not everyone likes everything. Your taste changes. I get that. As long as it's consistent, then yeah. that's the important thing. But you don't want to have your website, your personal website, different to your Facebook, different to your LinkedIn, to all these different photographs. Just consistency because people are clicking through and looking at things and they're looking for a cross-check and verify moment. So mm -hmm. they're like, oh, does it look good? Yes. Is it consistent? Yes. Is the photo nice? Yes. Is the message right? Yes. So it's like check, 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 check. And that's what you're looking for. Absolutely. That press kit of, of continuity. I agree. Well, we are um, at the end of our road with this roadmap. Kelly, I wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time. It's a busy holiday season. You're a busy founder and, um, and you're across the world. 
Thank you so much for stopping everything and just chatting with us about your history, about the Talent Squad. You guys can find it at thetalentsquad.com online and um, reach out to Kelly. But I just want to say thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you. And thank you for this amazing platform. You're changing people's lives you will never meet and never know about. And there's some founder that's business is going to be different because of you. So thank you, Patricia. Absolutely. And your story as well, <laughs> right? It's you and me helping those people. I agree. And to everyone listening, I'm going to piggyback on Kelly and say thank you for your time and listening. And until we speak again next time, remember to always bet on yourself. Sluncha.